91.3 KXCI Tucson. Real people, real radio. Good afternoon, Tucson, and thanks for joining us today at 91.3 KXCI Tucson, where we have real people and real radio. This is Aspen Green with my co-host, Kathy Harris, and we are bringing you Broad Perspectives Radio, a program by women, about women, but for everyone. You can learn more on our Broad Perspectives Radio page at kxci.org. Today, I'm thrilled to say we have Anne Bowen as our guest. She is a founding member of the Deadly Nightshade Band, which formed back in the 70s. What a treat to get to talk with her today and find out more about this unique band that's together again after all these years. They will be performing at Hotel Congress Plaza on March 8th for International Women's Day. So let's get started, Kathy. I'm very excited, as you said, to have Anne here. She is a member of the Deadly Nightshade Band. I love the name. It's a rock and country trio originally consisting of Anne, Pamela Brandt, and Helen Hook. They started actually in the 60s under the name of Ariel, but then they became the Deadly Nightshade. And in 74, they secured one of the first record contracts as an all-female band to a major label and went on to release two albums. They broke up in 77 when Anne decided to pursue other interests. She worked for the Women's Action Alliance, opened a restaurant in Arizona, and later ran a school cafeteria in Tucson. And then a band reunion happened in 2008, and they released a third CD, Never Never Gonna Stop. Unfortunately, Pamela Brandt died of a heart attack in 2015 at the age of 68. Anne and Helen decided the best way to honor Pamela was to keep the music going, and they still perform as a duo and sometimes a trio with the addition of Lisa Koch on bass. They will be playing at Hotel Congress, as Aspen said, on the plaza on March 8th at a mini fest for International Women's Day. Anne, welcome to Broad Perspectives. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Well, we're happy to have you. And you've had quite a history as a rock star, something I've always wanted to be. You know, I'm in a folk group right now, but secretly, I've always wanted to be in a rock group. (laughs) Here's my advice. Turn up. Okay. (laughs) That's how you do it. (laughs) (laughs) That's very good advice. Tell us a little bit about how you got into being such a successful band, which actually started in the 60s. You must have been very young. How did that all happen? Pamela and Helen and I came at it from slightly different angles. Pamela had been in a band called The Moppets, which also released a single on Atlantic and played on the Ed Sullivan show and all kinds of exciting things. But that band sort of stalled. And so she went back to college. Helen, meanwhile, was in a rock band at her college and called Maggie's Farm. They played out quite a bit. And I had a jug band and we played all the time. The three of us, plus another woman from the Moppets, made Ariel. And we tried for several years to get a deal with that band. We played New York quite a bit. We were in and out of making demos. We did a bunch of different things. But in the end, we couldn't get anywhere with that band. So that band broke up. I went back to graduate school. Helen and Pamela were trying to make it as a duo. And then I was active in a Women's Liberation Neighborhood Center. And we decided we wanted an arts festival and we had to have music. Got to be arts. It has to have music. And so I put together a show and and then Helen and Pamela and I played together some really dopey 
old songs, coasters tunes and things like that. And we were a big hit. So we thought, well, we're short of cash. Why don't we just play a little bit? So that's how we started. Helen had always wanted to name a band The Deadly Nightshade. I don't know why, but we said, sure, Helen, go ahead. You know, we're just doing this for fun now. We played for several years all over New England, and then we decided, okay, we're going to try again to get a record contract. Started going to New York, play in New York, because you had to do that, and we got a deal. Okay, well, I have to ask, what was it like being one of the few all-female rock and country bands in the 60s and 70s? Did you get support for that, or was it like, did you feel like you were fighting upstream all the time? Well, it was both. Other musicians were great. Other musicians were supportive and interested, thought we were a little odd, but we were a little odd, so that was okay. The business was really pretty cutthroat and self-serving. Long before the days of independent distribution and anything else like that, there were really only the major labels. So that part was hard. And there were many times that were difficult, but overriding everything was just the tremendous joy of playing, and especially of playing for audiences that just loved us so much. Everywhere we played political fundraisers, national conventions, country and Western bars and fraternity bars and lesbian bars and gay bars. We played a wedding. We played just all the time. And it was great. It was really fun. You know, I kind of hear that from musicians back in that time. We interviewed the drummer from Fanny from back in the 70s. They kind of said the same thing, that other musicians were very supportive, but the record companies were kind of resistant to female rock bands and you had to really prove yourself. This is a story that's on our website, but It really is true that in the aerial phase when we were trying to get a deal and we were in some guy's office, his boss came in and said, don't sign a girl band. You have to pay for their abortions. Oh, my gosh. And it was like we were just stunned. And other ones were, don't sign a girl band. We already have one. The business was run by men with an inflated view of themselves. (laughs) Okay, that's a good way to put it. Were you able to make a living as musicians or did you have day jobs too? No, no, no. All 10 years that we played together in the two different bands, we we just played and we played all the time. There were a lot of places to play. And sometimes we played for a dollar at the door, but on a Tuesday night, we could make a few hundred dollars. That'd be fine. I know that you toured with some famous people. Tell us who you toured with and what that was like. We opened for many, many people. The only one we really toured with was Billy Joel, who is a great guy. And his whole band was really great guys, and all the roadies were too. That was a fun tour to be on. It was the New York State of Mind tour. But we opened for Commander Cody and the Lost Planet Airmen, and for Olden and the Way, which was a little spinoff of The Grateful Dead. Uh, Poco, we opened for Buddy Guy one time, Albert King once. We opened for Sister Sledge once. That was a blast. But we opened up for a lot of people. Okay. And on your website, I read about what one of you called the memory of a lifetime having to do with a concert in Detroit with Flo Ballard of the Supremes. Yes. Tell tell us what that, why was that the memory of a lifetime? I have never, ever heard anybody control an arena, was in a big place in Detroit with her voice alone. It was astounding. You know, Flo was the original lead singer of the Supremes and a lot of things happened and she wasn't anymore. That concert was a fundraiser for the Joanne Little Legal Defense Fund. Joanne Little was an African-American woman who had been imprisoned in North Carolina 
uh, one of the guards tried to rape her and she killed him. And then she escaped and was a fugitive. So there were a lot of people raising money for her at that time. And she finally was acquitted. It was all great. But that bill was headlined and emceed by Lily Tomlin. Fabulous, wonderful person. And we were asked, they said they had convinced Flo to sing. And she wanted to sing, I Am Woman. And we said, okay. (laughs) So we learned it. That was great. And so we played behind her and she sang it. And that was when it was like, oh, my God. And then Pamela wouldn't let her leave the stage because over the course of our lifetime, we did three Supremes covers. Pamela dragged her back out on this and we did Come See About Me and Back in My Arms Again and one other one. can't remember what it was. And she just sang and we played and sang back up. Still gives me goosebumps. Oh, my gosh, I bet. Well, you've had so many wonderful experiences touring with Billy Joel. My gosh. I also want to say we got to play things like the big rally in Central Park after the Anita Bryant resolution was defeated in Florida. We got to play a big now convention in Atlantic City when there was a counter Miss America pageant. I mean, we got to play a lot of these big political events that were really important to us. Oh, yeah. What a great experience. Well, I think our listening audience would like to hear one of your songs. So let's listen to a song by the band. Aspen, what are we going to hear? The song that you have chosen is called High Flying Woman. And that's from your first album, which was released in 1975, the album The Deadly Nightshade. Did you want to tell us a little bit about that? That was like our big hit. It was one of the first truly feminist songs that Helen and Pamela, who wrote it, did together. You know, we'd been playing around a long time. We were a bar band, essentially. And gradually, over the course of time, became much more politicized. And so this is like the opening jab in all of that. This is like, okay, all you women in the audience and all of us, stand up for yourselves and expand your lives. It was put on the American Airlines in-flight program, I think because of its name, (laughs) High Flying Woman. And we thought maybe they'd never listen to it, actually. They just (laughs) put it in there. Yeah, it doesn't seem like something that they would have on there. (laughs) It doesn't seem so easy listening to me, no, but we will do this on March 8th. Okay, like you were early activists with your music. So let's take a listen to High Flying Women from the first album of The Deadly Nightshade off the album The Deadly Nightshade. Well, they're calling you a chick And the name just seems to stick And you still don't think you're living in a cage Have you heard, have you heard There's a migration happening Going where the finger is free Only you can decide Take yourself Still don't think that you are 
KXCI Tucson, Real People, Real Radio, and we are continuing our talk with Ann Bowen of the Deadly Nightshade Band. Yeah, and you know, I just have to say, I'm in a trio. We do three-part harmony, and the harmony that you three women do is really wonderful. It's You do such a great job, and I love your music. I just wanted to say that. Thank (laughs) you very much. In pursuit of your wishing to go a little harder with your folk stuff like that. One of the reasons uh, I think that our harmonies work well is we sing them full voice. And so try that with your trio. Sing loud harmonies and you'll be more on your way to beefing it up. I'm going to suggest that and I'll let you know how it goes. (laughs) (laughs) Now, it sounds like your band was apart for about 30 years from 1977 to 2008. Did you have much contact with each other during that time? And what made you get together again in 2008? A little bit of contact, but we had all moved to separate locations and there were some bad feelings when the band broke up. Anybody who's ever played in a band knows that that happens. (laughs) I saw more of Pamela than I did of Helen because Helen really moved away and Pamela was still in New York and so was I. But they both continued playing. Helen has played continuously and has lots of CDs released under her name and did all different kinds of bands. She even had a disco band at one point, the Honey Spots. So Helen's played all along. She's played guitar and she's played violin both. And she's still active in an old time fiddle band where she lives. But within a few years, Helen was living in Manhattan. I had moved to Tucson and Pamela was living in Florida. So we really didn't cross paths much and everybody had their own thing that they were doing. But then Helen decided, you know, it might be a good time for old line feminist band to get back together and see if it still worked. And she and Pam were fine with that. But I said, Helen, I haven't played for 30 years. It's going to take me a year. And she said, okay, I'll wait. And so I worked hard for a year, got my chops and my calluses and all those things back. And we started playing back East. And so every year we'd go back, we'd get together back East. We played five or six times. We played the bitter end in New York. We played, IMA out in Western Massachusetts, June Millington and Ann Hackler's venue out there. And we'd play, you know, around different places, wherever we, you know, managed to get something together. And that was really fun. And that's what, and then we made the CD and that made it even more fun. And then Pamela, who was not healthy, but we certainly weren't expecting her 
to die right then. And it seemed like that was that. Now, now we were done. We got to have a little second act and that was great, but now everything was over. So. And that was in 2015. Yeah. Okay. And then we were introduced to Lisa Copeland. Okay. Well, before we get into that, let's listen to a song from that newest album that the three of you made called Never Gonna Stop. Aspen, what are we going to hear from that album? Okay. So we are going to hear the John Deere tractor song. I love that. The name of that. I was so surprised to hear about what that song was about when I first listened to it. Maybe you can tell us about that. Oh, I'd like for it to be a surprise first. And I'd like to assure everybody that we will be doing this song at the Hotel Congress too. (laughs) Oh, I'm excited about that. That's great. So we're going to listen to the John Deere tractor song off the album, Never Never Gonna Stop from their 2012 album.
are listening to Broad Perspectives Radio at 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Aspen Green here with Kathy Harris, and our guest today is Anne Bowen. And we are really going to look forward to hearing you play that song in person. <laughs> That's a wonderful song. I, I'm going to assume you're going to dress for it or not. Put clothes on. We don't want to frighten people. <laughs> Okay. Well, let's get back to Lisa Koch because you will be playing with her at the March 8th event. She plays bass with us. Okay. And tell us about her. Lisa Koch is an Olivia recording artist and well-known in that community. She does uh, comedy and satirical songs, and she is really, really funny. She has a long background in theater also. She, She was part of Dos Falopia, which was a comedy troupe out of Seattle. And we were introduced to her by a mutual friend because, as it turns out, she played bass for years. She played bass in bands in high school and right out of high school. And, you know, she's a heavy duty bass player. And she had been sitting in on some session with uh, a man that we knew in Seattle. And he called up and said, I think I found you a bass player. And so some machinations, but we finally got together. Yeah, she was very interested. She knew who we were and thought that was great. And so we got together, we rehearsed for like a week, and then we played out one night at Tap and Bottle in February of 2020. And within three days, the entire world shut down. And so we thought, well, that's not fair. (laughs) You know, (laughs) you tempt us, fate, you tempt us with this fabulous bass player, and then you go, nah, 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 nah. So we didn't play then for a number of years, but last October we got back together, played a couple of gigs back East. And then we went out to Berkeley and played the big concert for the release of Irene Young's book. I'm sure that your audience knows Irene Young, the photographer who has photographed women in the women's music scene for, for many years. We were friends with Irene in New York in the seventies. We've known her a very long time, but there was two big concerts out there. And uh, we were lucky and fortunate and happy to be able to participate in them. So she played with that. And then we thought, well, let's just see if we can get something here in Tucson. And I was able to. So here we are again. International Women's Day is March 8th. And that is the day that you are going to be doing this concert at Hotel Congress. Tell us a little about the actual event. Who's going to be there? What are you going to do? International Women's Day is based on an activity, a day that happened in the Russian Revolution. So it was a day when all the men that were in charge of the party were diddling around trying to figure out what they could do as some sort of big event to kick off the revolution. And women in a clothing factory went on strike and said, okay, this is what we're doing and now we're going to have a revolution, okay? So that is the origin of that day. In this country, it's mostly viewed as as a memorial to the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire which is a similar kind of thing with the seamstress industry and all that stuff like that. So it's a, a long standing holiday, much, uh, it's not older than the suffrage movement, but it is much older than the second wave of feminism that uh, we're concerned with now. And KXCI has always celebrated when I first moved to Tucson in the late eighties, Susie B had me on Broad Perspectives a couple of years in a row to talk about International Women's Day and play some of this material. So that was always fun. But it's a it's a great holiday because it's a it's about economic issues and everybody can get behind it. It's really an equal pay, health and safety, anti-violence kind of a holiday. So we're glad that it worked out that we could play at the hotel that day. 
Okay. And who else is going to be playing at that event? They're calling it a mini fest. It is a mini fest. So Lisa's doing her solo act. Very, very funny. And then Barb Higby, who is a Wyndham Hill recording artist and has played here in Tucson as part of a Wyndham Hill ensemble. She plays piano and violin. So she's going to do some numbers. And I think Lisa's going to sit in with her on some numbers. And then Izzy Lisa comes over and plays with us. And then we're going to do some sort of slam bang something with everybody on stage too. That sounds fabulous. We will really look forward to that. Quickly, tell our audience where they can get more information about Deadly Nightshade and hear their music. We have a website. It's thedeadlynightshade.net. Anytime you search for us, you have to search for The Deadly Nightshade, even though we didn't always use that. But there are other bands named The Deadly Nightshade, including heavy metal band in Australia. So there's lots of stuff on the website. There's bios, there's histories of all of us. There's uh, links to YouTube video of us back in the day from Sesame Street and some stuff from now. And and I just look forward. I hope everybody can come out and you'll come out and have a great time and listen to us play. Well, we're looking forward to it. And it's delightful to talk to you. Thanks so much for being with us today. But I believe that's the end of our show, isn't it, Aspen? (laughs) Yes, we have come to the end of our show today. And it's always a pleasure to talk with you. Thanks so much for coming and telling us about the Deadly Nightshade. And I look forward to hearing your band and the two songs that we heard on today's show in person. I will never forget those songs. And thanks to all of you out there for being with us today. This is Aspen Green here with Kathy Harris on Broad Perspectives Radio. You can learn more on our Broad Perspectives Radio page at kxci.org. Now stick around because next up we have Boom Goddess Radio with Jennifer Davis Page. Enjoy your Sunday and we'll be back next week. Thank you.